Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Ah, the movies, the silver screen, what fantastical tales they tell. We can marvel in the wonderful feats of superheroes, delight in the depiction of intergalactic wars, get lost in beautiful magical lands, or horror at the portrayal of gruesome beasts. Or, alternatively, we can watch two old friends reconnect over a lovely meal in a fancy restaurant and just quietly ruminate on their ideas of society. Now doesn't that sound exciting? This is Adjust Your Tracking. Podcast where we're on a venture to watch a century of cinema decade by decade, year by year. I am one half your hosts, Liam Delaney, and with me is my friend. Hello, I'm Oliver Jones. And what a lovely evening it is, isn't it? Just for two old friends to get together and have a chat. That's what we're doing. <laughs> two friends. Oh, spoilers. Not two <laughs> friends. <laughs> That's not spoilers. <laughs> it's usually in the title, right? It's usually in the title, yeah. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> okay, and and with us is our, our other good friend, Brandon. It's Brandon Kahn back again, the the resident Louis Mal expert who's seen <laughs> two or three Louis Mal films. I can't remember now. <laughs> Louis Mal all the time. Yep, and next, yeah, next we'll be back to talk about Atlantic City. Oh, definitely. How you doing? You all right? I am. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I've been enjoying the uh, nonstop rain here in Birmingham. Oh, oh my god! It's not god. just Birmingham. I think it's the whole of the UK. <laughs> is, it, is it the whole UK? It's ridiculous. I can't believe how much it's rained in the yeah, past Yeah, this has like, been two in, weeks. this has been in. A, I mean, obviously, I'm uh, as you know a uh, constant complainer about British weather, but uh, this it's May fine. has been truly apocalyptic, even by this country's standards. Yeah, really, really has. May's normally all right. Yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah. Unbelievable! I don't know what the, uh, it seems. It seems like a bad sign. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel no, right. It doesn't feel right at all. Other than that, I'm chilling. How you doing, Liam? I'm okay. Um, I'm okay. I didn't sleep last night, so I'm kind of wired today. Um, so that's fun. Um, and ready to talk some film. Yeah, let's do it. Late night sexy podcast. It's it's uh, after dark, baby. After dark. Let's put on our sex voices. I had my first uh, vaccination like two hours ago. Oh, cool. Uh, You're going to pass out. Well, I got a, fo- I got a phone call because like, my dad's friend's like a GP and uh, he was like, we've like 14 people haven't turned up. So, you know, we've got to use them. Otherwise they get chucked and it's just a complete waste. And he's like, anybody in your family not had one? He's like, my son hasn't had one. So my dad phones me up and he's like, get to the GP now. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's all about who you know, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm getting my second uh, next Saturday. Your second? Yeah, I'm older than you, buddy. But how much? <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I, uh, what, what year did this movie come out? Let's start with that. This is 1981. Okay, me and this movie are the same age. <laughs> yeah. So that's why, that's why I'm on this week's show. That makes perfect sense then. This is my birthday movie. Birthday movie. That's a special movie. Whatever hey, which, which which one did we all have, by the way? What do you mean? What do you mean? What, which vaccination did we have? Oh, it's in Britain, so you can only get the AZ, can't you? No, I'm Pfizer, baby. Pfizer, yeah. Both of you got Pfizer. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
They're trying to dump all the shitty stuff on us plebs over here in, in Brum. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> oh, well. I had my uh, vaccine on Wednesday, I think it was. And I kind of thought it was going to be like, I'll just walk up to the the vaccination point get my vaccine and then just go home i thought it was going to take two seconds and i didn't realize they gave you a, like an egg timer you have to sit there for 15 minutes in the room everyone's sitting around with egg timers it was like what are those shaken whatever the shake stack you know those restaurants the burger places yeah. that give yeah, you yeah, little yeah. like timers when your food's ready it was like that everyone's meant, sitting around yeah shake shack is the one yeah. i just had to look at my phone and make sure that i just timed 15 minutes myself Nah, because again, it's I was just at the GP here in Birmingham where they give you the shitty vaccine and tell you to fuck off. <laughs> no, I think the other one you don't have to have the fifteen minutes sit down. So they were they were very sweet. I take it back. Uh, the, all the volunteers there, all the nurses, they were really cool. Yeah, everyone was really sweet. My yeah, arm was dead yesterday. The day after, it, it like, definitely it, feels like a proper bruise. Yeah, I could barely move it, and I definitely had like. Like the night before, I had like kind of sweats and headaches and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm looking so, forward to the second one. I'm looking forward the to the second, second one's one. meant to be much worse. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going, I was going to be. So Ollie knows this. I was going to be filming that day. So my plan up until today was next Saturday at 10 a.m. get my vaccine and then walk across the street to a filming location and film <laughs> a music video uh, all day. Uh, and I was just like going, well, I hope it works. Or halfway through, I'm going to collapse and yeah. <laughs> uh, you know break Ollie's camera, and uh, and then they'll have to cart me off, and Ollie will kill me. Uh, but thankfully, uh, quote unquote, that film got uh, that shoot got canceled for other reasons, so I can just get the vaccine and die uh, normally. Without, That's good. Yeah, without breaking Ollie's camera. I'll tell you what, though, the um, this won't mean anything to anyone outside of Birmingham, but like the hand sanitizer that they had at the uh, my GP where I went to. It smelt like snobs vodka. Like I was smelling it. I was like, what's this smell? And it just smelt like snobs is a nightclub in Birmingham. It's like I think you, if you just say cheap vodka, I think Yeah, that but counts. it was like it was it's like you drank pure ethanol at that place. And it's just <laughs> like I had a proper sense memory. I was like, Oh my god, I feel like I'm eighteen again back in this nightclub downing this horrible vodka and I could just oh wasn't it Glenn's vodka they served in snobs? No, I don't think it was even that. I think it's something like Imperial or something like that. Ooh, like that, some, that's probably a good name. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, uh sorry dear listener I uh, am too I moved here too late in life to have enjoyed that. <laughs> you didn't miss much. No, I, I, it's not something that I would have enjoyed either way. But maybe Just I would have. Ne- necessary punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard I've heard. So anyway, what came out in my No wait, what do you guys talk about next? What we've been watching. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm I, I keep getting confused. Yeah, I've been watching anything Brandon. Brandon. Uh I did. Uh well obviously I haven't been on this show in months and months and months, but uh been on like two weeks ago. Yeah. What when when was when did I last record with you? When we did like the fifties roundup. We didn't talk about that though. Oh we didn't actually, true. That is true. All right, anyway, just what have you watched in the last two weeks, say, then? And the, well, the two things that have just popped into my head, uh, I started watching uh, The Underground Railroad, which is the series on Amazon Oh, Prime. cool, yeah. yeah. I've seen the first two episodes of that. It's pretty good, difficult to sit through, so I'm taking it slow, Yeah, uh, I would say, but pretty interesting, pretty fun. Ends with, the first episode ends with the most out-of-nowhere music drop, uh, like needle drop, that... Uh, just, like shocked me so much my brain couldn't wrap like I could I didn't I didn't believe it was happening 
So it's contemporary uh, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the whole. It's all set in the in the eighteen hundreds, and the music yeah. is uh, by the same guy that did the music for Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. So it's lyrical oh, okay. and beautiful, and you know, classical. Uh, uh, and then uh, it cuts to uh, black at the end of the thing, and it plays a song, one of my all time favorite songs from uh, two thousand and one or two. Uh, and I was so shocked that at first it didn't register that it was happening. Uh, it was like, didn't like, it was just such a bizarre thing. And at first I thought, I hate this. This is the stupidest thing. Why would you do this? This doesn't fit. And then by the end of it, I went, nah, fuck it. This rules. Uh, you have to tell us what the song is. It bombs over Baghdad. Ah, good. Cool. So it's, it was, it's an all time favorite tune. I love it so much. Uh, and I can't help every time I hear it, I just get so pumped, but it was like, obviously nothing about that episode wants you to get pumped. If you yeah, see what sure. I mean, like, yeah. like everything, everything about it, it's, you know, miserable and horrible, you know, obviously difficult subject matter. It's like putting Bruce Springsteen at the end of Schindler's List or something. It just is <laughs> insane. Uh, so I didn't, I don't know. That was nuts. Uh, but apparently that's, it was the series goes on, it becomes more stylistically, uh, um, you know, bizarre. And so that kind of fits in a bit more as it goes. Anyway, so that was that. And then uh, I, I saw... Doc- very, that's Barry Jenkins, isn't it? Just just checking. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Barry, Barry Jenkins. I'm always down. I'm a big fan of his last two films. Um, yeah, totally. So I'll pretty much follow him wherever he goes. Uh, he's he's pretty brilliant. Um, and uh, these, these first two episodes were, were pretty brilliantly done. Um, very interesting. Anyway, and then I saw a documentary called Time, also on Amazon Prime. I've been uh, meaning to watch Time. Actually. I tell you what, that kicked me right in my nuts. That really? is, uh, it's as good as a for me. That's the best documentary I've seen in years, easily. Wow. And I, I call it best film of the year of last year that I've seen, um, by a mile. Like it's not even a contest. What won the fucking Oscar for document? Oh, it's bloody octopus shit. I'll it? tell you what, I saw <laughs> I saw that fucking octopus movie. I watched it's the fucking, fucking. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, these are not in the same category of no. film. <laughs> like it, that, I don't understand how that would have won. Uh, and uh, compared, anyway, I, I didn't see the other movies in the category, so I don't know. And, uh, uh, I saw the Mole Agent, which is quite nice. It's, yeah, as, it's quite as, good. As and someone I saw who Collective as well, the the remaining oh, yeah. one. That one sounds that really club. good. Yeah, that's that really one. harrowing, actually. What was the really Time's good super one intense. on Netflix? Um, the one where the guys got Alzheimer's um, or dementia. Camp? Oh, and, uh, um, no. That oh, Dick Johnson's yeah, Dead. Dick Johnson's Dead. Yeah, that was crazy because yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, yeah that, that movie was amazing. I agree. So is I it better that than that, do you reckon? I think time is better than that, but Dick Johnson is Dead is a close second for Documentary yeah. of the Year, obviously. Great movie. Uh, oh, time is a... My Octopus Teacher, the best film ever made. Uh, Ever made. <laughs> well, my, I want to take a quick aside into a documentary editing, which is something I do professionally quite a bit. Not on the okay. level of any, not something I do on the level of any of these people, including sure. the my octopus teacher people who I'm about to shit on. <laughs> um, but which is not fair uh, of me. No, it to is because I hate that guy. <laughs> I well, don't dislike to lead in in anything as much as what was that rock climbing documentary? It's the same with, fucking thing. Um, which oh, one? Free, no. Free Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how, like, Free Solo was actually a documentary about how awful it is to date men? That's what that, like, documentary was really about. You know, I haven't seen that. I saw the Dawn, I saw the Dawn Wall, which I liked a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is good. Okay. But, um, Octopus Teachers, anyway. yeah, it's just weirdly about the fact that this guy hated his family. Octopus Teachers is essentially a corporate movie for that guy's uh, conservation project. <laughs> 
Yes. Is yeah, essentially totally. what, it, what it feels like in tone. And I know that because I make those. Is, right. Is okay. what I'm trying to get at. So it felt like the kind of thing I would be editing uh, in its tone and its style and, and well done in that genre, obviously. Don't get me wrong. And I know that's sure. hard to do. But still not an actual documentary, a corporate no. movie. And that's what it felt like. And so to watch someone, to watch that, I don't know. It, it, it's it's an interesting bit. I watched it actually with uh, with the family. Mm. Rosalie liked it because the octopus was interesting. The underwater footage was good. Yeah, it has all those bits. But I agree with you. That guy is not an interesting topic. Like he's just not an interesting. He's an interesting character for like a ten minute documentary. Yeah, you know, maybe he's not an interesting like dramatic narrative character or anything no. like that. And it's so <clears throat> weird that it's around him. Well, I would like, yeah. I would have got more out of that documentary if it was just the underwater footage he shot, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah, um, and, and and so anyway, it's well edited for what it is, but for me, it's the kind of thing I do that I don't like doing, but I do it as my job. <laughs> so mm. it was kind of frustrating to see it turned into like a narrative film in that way, because when I'm working on something that isn't a corporate movie, I try and actively not do that, if you yeah. see what I mean. It's like yeah. I try and get, a, get away from that, because I think it's a bad instinct. Uh, and it's difficult. So I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of the people that made that probably come from that background yeah. and, and it's sort of seeped into the style of that film. So maybe I'm just like hypersensitive to it. I don't know. Um, but anyway, anyway, it won, my Octopus teacher also won the ACE Eddie award for best edited documentary. And it is a well edited documentary, but you'll never see yeah. a better, you'll never ever see a better edited documentary than time in your life. So, so um, that's very is frustrating about, to me. Time's about a guy who serves prison a sentence mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, that. it's a uh, basically uh, this one guy and his wife uh, uh, commit an armed robbery in the nineties. Uh, she takes a plea deal and gets out in a shorter amount of time. He refuses the plea deal and gets a sixty-year sentence Oof. for armed robbery, which is a, and with no possibility of parole. So they essentially Ooh. give a guy a life sentence at, you know, 20 something years old yeah. for definitely a crime that he yeah. definitely should have been, you know, uh, taken to court for. But obviously that's very excessive. Yeah. Uh, and the machinations of basically not taking a plea means his sentencing was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, whatever it was. Uh, well, the, the, the uh, subtext is obviously the, the couple are black sure. uh, in, in the American South. So <laughs> you can, you can read as uh, into that all you like. Uh, I'm trying to remember where they were now. Atlanta, I want to say. Oh man, I've forgotten. Okay, anyway, they're in the, in the American South. Uh, but then the 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 lead character, as opposed to my octopus teacher, is the uh, his wife, who had the lesser sentence. She gets out and kind of transforms herself from, you know, having been a younger person who made a bad decision, could have gone a really bad way, and turns into this advocate for uh, prison reform and to get her husband out, and uh, becomes a writer raises six, I guess they can have conjugal visits because she has six kids with this guy wow. uh, and she raises them and there are characters in the film and you watch them grow up because they don't see him because he's still in prison for like 15 or 20 years or whatever it is uh, and the documentary is some modern footage but mostly her home footage her home movies that she's been filming the whole time through oh, right. that process and so the uh, the director and editor did this pretty incredible job of of mixing and matching footage from throughout that time period pretty loot like not strictly chronologically but more thematically and then bringing in the modern footage uh i was i was pretty blown away honestly recommend to everybody it's only 80 something minutes long it's on amazon prime 
Go watch. <laughs> Go watch yeah, immediately. I will. I will yeah. definitely check it out. I've been meaning to. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really cool. Kick, kick my ass. Did you ever see the documentary The Fear of 13? No. That's quite a good one. It's about a guy who was on death, who's in death row for 22 years. I mean, I won't say too much about it, but that. I thought that was a really good uh, prison-based documentary. Fear of 13. I will check it out. Anyway, those are the two There's ones only that only one I'll person in the documentary, though. It's just one guy's story. You don't, you don't hear from anyone else, but he's, like, he's a very captivating person. Cool. Those are my two big recommendations from the last uh, couple of weeks. Nice. So what about you, Al? Well, carrying on with my Star Wars. Things. No, I've only watched two. Uh, carrying on from my Star Wars rewatch, I uh, watched Attack of the Clones, which uh, it's whew, crap. <laughs> it's it's oh, it's it's kind of diabolical, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think there's only one decent thing in that film that I kind of like, and that's uh, Christopher Lee. I find him quite enjoyable in that film, but sure, sure. Outside yeah. of that, there are. I don't think there's any, maybe Natalie Portman's costume at the end. I think she looks quite cool in her white suit and that at the end. But um, yeah, I like the uh, water planet. I like the design of the aliens on the water planet. Yeah, but the, just the animation and just the it's actual so look of I just, the I just said design. <laughs> the design is good. The design is good. The design is good. I agree. But, but it's just brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. <laughs> it just looks terrible. Um, and of course, there's the Dexter Jetser, everyone's favorite. Um, cafe owner that's the best star wars character everyone remembers yep there's so many awkward like animations of anakin like leaping like it'll cut from like live action anakin to this awful video game version of him like launching or jumping on an animal or like i feel i feel really bad for natalie portman doing those scenes on um i don't know naboo or whatever because like it's got anakin riding around on a pig and stuff like that and this is an actress who (laughs) She's an amazing actress, and she has to deal with this shit. I, I couldn't. I just, Academy Award winner. Yeah, Academy and like winner. she got nothing to do in those films. Like it's just surprise, ridiculous. Th- there's more like actual on set stuff than I remembered, like an actual on location stuff. But the way it's photographed, it just looks so. It's terrible. The actual cinematography like is so bad. It looks like uh, absolute shit. And um, like. The Phantom Menace wasn't great, but it definitely looked better than this. So, it does. You know. I, I, yeah, this is. I um, still stand up. That's the best one. Like, oh yeah, I, I agree. I so agree. I'm really looking forward to watching Revenge of the Sith when I find have, it. To have it. I? Have Honest, I, ever... I think they get worse as well. I think. I think th- third one's the worst one. I think it's the most indulgent. I've ever told you guys that I've been uh, physically to the spot where he delivers the monologue about the sand. <laughs> oh, you've actually been. Isn't that in Italy yeah, yeah, or something? Yeah, it's in. It's by Lake Como, in northern Italy, and we uh, visited there two summers ago. Me and uh, the girls, and uh, my sister and her husband. And just we spent because like, of, just because of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, we went there <laughs> uh, because my brother-in-law was at a conference uh, in Switzerland or something, and we just picked this area as a place where we could meet up. Because uh, none of us had been there, it looked cool. We had a great time, super fun, Airbnb, all that jazz. But then after we, after we'd made this decision uh, to do this, uh, we started looking at attractions. What could we do while we're there? We can walk over right. here. We can go over there. And then I saw one, which was one of these like Italian, you know, massive uh, little uh, castles or villas or whatever they're called, right on the lake. And I thought that looks really, 
really familiar. What is that? <laughs> and it's and it's for the palace and the outside of the palace in Naboo, where they have the wedding and where they have the sand monologue. And it didn't take me long to figure it, it out. It gets everywhere. And, yeah. It, it, so I saw it and I realized it. And my sister and I both uh, are big fans of making fun of that bit. Uh, I, like who isn't? So I, I messaged uh, my sister Lauren. Shout out to Lauren, and we both just started freaking out and screaming and going like, "Oh, we have to! This is amazing! We have to do! This. We're going to drag everyone to this place." Uh, <laughs> so we, we walked from the Airbnb to there. Lovely walk, lovely place. I highly recommend it. I can't pronounce what it's called, so look it up. Who cares? If you Google, uh, you know, Attack of the Clones, Italy, you'll find it. Um, uh, and so yeah, we reenacted saying we we took pictures of us miming hating sand, <laughs> <laughs> like we were pre- pretending like we had sand in our hands and we were really like sad about it uh, in the in the same exact spot where he uh, where they filmed that. The proud moment of my life. That's great. That's great. Yeah. It's the yeah. bit where he's like after he's killed like all the um, uh, you know the sand people. What are they called? The um... This shit, is, this shit is this shit is absolutely sociopathic. This scene when he's like, "I killed, I killed the man, but not just the men, the women, and the children. <laughs> I hate them." <laughs> Your acting is like, exactly the same. After he's like admitted to murdering many, many people, she then children. comforts him. <laughs> yeah, this, this is then, this is insane. This this scene makes me like vomit. Actually, like he just goes, "I killed kids," and she's like, "Oh, that's cool." Let's hang out. Let's hang out. You're a little sad. <laughs> Maybe I can fix him. That's crazy. Uh, this, I think this was about when uh, my, my, uh, my daughter, who's now 12, tried to watch these like a year ago when we got Disney Plus, I think, because I never showed them to her because I can't stand them. Uh, but she's seen the originals, obviously, and the sequels and the cartoons and red books and all types of stuff. So she knows the universe very well. Mm. Uh, and she's read the Amidala books. She likes the character from the Clone Wars. And I just explained what the plots were to the films. And I said, trust me, you don't want to sit through them. Uh, And she kept badgering me. And eventually she watched them. She sat sat through the Phantom Menace. She thought that was fine. She enjoyed that. She liked the pod racing, all that kind of stuff. She loved, uh, she loves uh, Natalie Portman's costumes because they are good. Those are great. Amazing. Yeah. 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 So she loved all that. She wear, when she, the whole, after he admits to killing all the Tuscan Raiders, what she's wearing is bizarre. Look at it. It looks like a big blue potato sack. It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but then we, we get to Attack of the Clones, and she's sitting there, and she's getting her way through it. And about halfway through, and it's around this point, she just goes, eh, just forget it. And she just turns <laughs> it off. And she's and I keep saying, you know, it's right there. You can finish it. She goes, no, nah, it's fine. And I said, you want to watch Revenge of the... No, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> she just she just gave up because that Attack of the Clones is that difficult to get through. I, I can't go into it as well, but I've like we've, we've spoke before about this, about trying to unravel what the hell Obi-Wan goes through and what he investigates because none of it makes sense there's like characters that you just get told about that you never see and like i can't remember there's there's a a jedi lord he keeps saying the name of master cypher diaz cypher diaz that was it i was gonna say who like i don't know if that's a guy if that's dooku in another name if that's like if if that's meant to be like a false name it or if that's actually like the evil sith that we never meet i don't know like plagueis or whatever the hell's his name is count dooku's also darth tyrannus I yeah think. but you don't know if that's not master C- that that fucking jedi that hasn't turned it's just a name that they keep telling you throwing out this stupid <laughs> name at you like it's so annoying it's it's meant to be like an like an investigative kind of like 
like noir story or something and it makes no sense yeah. and it's hard to unravel and it doesn't go anywhere it's so weird i always remember one time he says the name sifo ds and uh I, this really stuck out to me from when i first watched it the samuel jackson and the yoda characters look at each other real like they know what's up yeah and you're like <laughs> and i remember thinking oh shit they're gonna that means they're gonna that's gonna be a thing when I first watched this 4,000 years ago. Uh, and, and it was never a thing. It's never a thing. It's never a thing. It's, just like... it, it's that one look and it never comes up again. No. And they don't do anything. They're like, yeah. I don't understand how they get given like a free army by a, like a mysterious like Jedi that they don't quite know. And then they're like, yeah, sure, we'll use yeah. the free army. Like, All right, great. Let's, we're let's we're go the good com- guys. Like... Yeah, let's go commit weird war crimes. This sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I assume Master Cypher Diaz like, well... Well, surely, I mean, we can get into the whole we backstory <laughs> that Palpatine is clones. Can we please, clones can we please clones. Surely not? He's the one who instigated it all because he's, I don't know, it's tough. It's Fuck a pilot. It, it's, it makes me angry anyway. <laughs> it's, uh, so, not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Back away. For my money, it's the worst Star Wars film. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so last week, I, I did my whole, um, I oh, got yeah. James to pick a number off my unwatched blu-ray list and he picked winnie the pooh then he got mad at him and it's you who put that on your list so you can't <laughs> get mad at him. i really enjoyed watching it <laughs> it's like, well done it's really nice so instead of being an actual film it's like three 25 minute shorts put together to make like one feature film with and i think they animated some extra bits to kind of string it together but it's it's really nice the animation's really cool it's kind of that like late 60s early 70s disney animation where they kind of instead of like when you do your rough then you kind of you know go back over it and kind of neat it up on a cell or whatever they kind of they did like a, they created a new process and i think they did it with um maybe 101 dalmatians maybe or jungle book where they kind of xeroxed their kind of sketches and then they were able to paint over that so they kind of the line works all a bit rough and a bit sketchy and uh, i like that i like that it's, it's cool and it's um, cool it's kind of got some meta elements into it as well because like it's kind of framed that it's like they're walking around the book in certain shots and they'll walk from page to page and like Tigger will be stuck up like a tree or whatever and then the narrator will turn the book upside down and he'll kind of fall on to the floor without like hurting himself and uh, there's a character who's like a gopher and they keep mentioning that he was not in the book originally like it doesn't matter about him because he wasn't in the book originally. And stuff like that. This and, is a uh, film. This is. I'm pretty sure this is a film I watched a lot when I was a kid. Well, no. Well, it was originally like three shorts, and they were like shown with different like feature films, like you know, like a little thing, and they kind of compiled them together. So, Brandon, yes, you get to pick a number between one and uh, 173, and I will watch that film for next week. 172. Oh fuck! <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you only live twice. What the hell is that? Is that James Bond? James Bond, Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that to you. <laughs> Who's the Bond in that one? A, I think it's Roger I think Moore. That's isn't a good it? Bond. No, that isn't. Oh, it's Connery, one. isn't it? It's Connery. 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 Yeah. I think that's oh, okay, a good then. One. Yeah, I don't really know. I like I mean I enjoy watching the Connery ones a little bit, but that's that's the end of my Bond enjoyment. Oh Roald Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay for that one. What? Yeah, nuts. Okay. This is news to me. So maybe it's awesome then. Interesting. Liam, have you watched anything? Nope. Never watched any <laughs> films. Um, Doesn't even know what it is. 
I, uh, yeah, I watch quite a lot, actually. What can I talk about? Uh, on my um, continuous quest to watch uh, Spike Lee films, I've watched two other two Spike Lee films. So I watched uh, Jungle Fever, which yep. is okay. Yeah, I thought like that. um with an incredibly bizarre ending. If anyone wants to explain the ending to me, please. You know, it's another one I saw when I was younger, and I remember liking it then, but I don't remember what the ending is. I mainly just remember Sam Jackson being amazing. Yeah, Sam Jackson's brilliant in it. It's probably, the, is it maybe one of Sam Jackson's first kind of leading-ish kind of, or at least supporting like dramatic roles in my head um, this was his in my head this was his breakout role but i wasn't quite yeah, old enough to like he might have had another movie well. before this i don't know I yeah mean, the, 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 the earliest thing i remember him from is um uh coming to america that's the earliest one i remember but obviously i did not a, know he was he's only a sm- yeah he's like a he robs the mcdowell's place or whatever and then um eddie murphy hands his ass to him because oh, no. he's he's in Mo Better Blues really briefly as well, but he's also in like Goodfellas and um, School Days. I think he's in as well, really briefly. Um, but I don't know which is the. This is quite a significant role in um, Jungle Fever, which feels yeah, pe- to like yeah, yeah. People like it. It it put him on the map for sure. From in my yeah, memory. and he's playing very much what he would say like his history he's playing like a, a drug addict um which you know he was for years um so he's drawing from all that he's really good in it uh wesley yeah. snipes is really good in it but when is wesley snipes bad like he's never he's bad just no he isn't he's um and he's great in it it's just the film is just it's one of those spike lee things that he's put too many ideas in this yeah like and it's it's just it's just packed punched full of them and it was just it's a little uneven because of that it's like it needed to be like about the kind of you know uh relationship aspect of it is almost takes a sideline to the kind of other issues of the film and the issues with the italian family and the issues with the drug dealing and the black family and and the issues with the kind of his ex and the women and the it's just and the workplace issues as well is a big part of it it's just it's got too much going on it just felt a little uneven and the end of the film is just fucking bizarre. Like, literally, he, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's dreaming, I think. But he, like, someone comes up to him to ask for some money. Like, a kind of, like, begging or a prostitute. It ends, I think it's his daughter. He just And Wesley Stipes just screams no into the air and then it ends. Like, <laughs> is that really it? Wow. And, yeah, and I was just like, well, that's an ending. Like, And I don't know if he was, he's, like, dreaming about the crap future she might have or it, it's actually real or what, like... It's it's fucking bizarre. It's it's very mm. bizarre. But and, and flip side to that, was... I watch um, Crooklyn, oh, which yeah. I think that might be the best I've watched actually. Um, well, no, but it's I, really I good. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, the best I've watched. Like because I haven't watched Do the Right Thing yet, like and stuff. So, but at the moment, it's really shot up my rankings for Spike Lee. Yeah, Crooklyn's super um, good. Is, is that is Delroy Lindo in that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, see the dad, yeah, the dad in it, right? Isn't and, that uh, the one that's kind oh. of more like his most autobiographical one, kind of up to that point? Yeah, at least. yeah, yeah. It's about his child in the seventies, though. The lead is a you know a young girl, um, so it's not like strictly autobiographical, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, at yeah. least it's picking elements from his childhood in like the New York in the seventies, and you got like Delroy Lindo's playing like a jazz musician, and um, Alfie Woodard. Uh, Alfrey? Do you say Alfrey? I only know her from Star Trek First Contact. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, she, she plays like the mom in that. 
and it's kind of about their relationship and they've got five kids growing up around New York. Um, Delroy is like, you know, because he wants to be just a jazz musician, a really happy dad and stuff like that would be like frustrating because he doesn't, you know, take stuff seriously enough in the family and and it's just going through their lives and it's I I just love a fucking like a kind of aimless vibey kind of family movie like that it's just brilliant yeah. for me like um and just the the way he shoots it the way Spike Lee shoots it the comedy in it the the drama in it like the punch at the end like uh of just like pure emotion Delroy plays it wonderfully like yeah I don't I, Delroy's just been like understated some of the best performance I've ever seen in films yeah. you know like just 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 effort, effort, effortlessly pushing them in. Like I think he's wonderful. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, I loved it. I just absolutely adored, adored the hell out of Crooklyn. I really. I did. also heartily recommend Crooklyn. I'm a plus one on that. Um, what else did I watch briefly? Uh, Take this waltz. Have you seen that? Yeah, uh, the animated one. No, 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 no. no. Oh, hey, Take this Sarah. waltz is uh, Sarah Polly, isn't it? Sarah Polly, yeah. It's, oh, I don't I'm thinking of Waltz with Bashir film? for some reason. I don't know why that pops up. <laughs> it's got Seth Rogen in, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Like, uh, so basically, you got Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen are like a kind of really happy married couple. Married couple. Uh, Seth Rogen is like a cookbook author, but he's really good natured, natured, really nice guy. Uh, Michelle Williams is kind of like almost like her um, her comfortability in this relationship is like crushing her a little bit. Really, I think that's the best way to put it. She meets like Luke Kirby, who plays like a neighbor, who's like an artist and 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 a bit and like a bit mysterious, and like she just starts kind of throwing her relationship away with Seth Rogen for this guy, basically. Um, it's Sarah Silverman's in it, who is plays a wonderful, wonderful dramatic role, which I kind of would like to see Sarah Silverman do more because she kills it in this film. Um, it's. Uh, yeah, and a type of type of kind of relationship, type of kind of romance film that I don't see quite often. Like no one's the villain in this. Um, Seth Rogen's wonderful at being this good-natured man. You don't hate what happens to them. You don't know what's going to happen to them. You don't. Yeah. You know. Um. I'd really recommend it. It's really, really, really good actually. And I can't. I can't quite understand why I haven't watched it before. It's one of those. <laughs> it took me a long time to watch. And the only other film I watched, uh, I guess, to round it out, is I watched The Monster Squad from 1987. Wow. Uh, Shane Black written film. I forgot who directed yeah, it. Yeah, it is Shane Black written, yeah. I Fred didn't know Decker that. Directed it. I'll tell you Decker what, that was, that was in the year that that came out, that was my favorite film. Really? <laughs> they, like, in the, like in that actual year. In that year, yeah. It's basically Goonies with the Universal Monsters, isn't it, kind of? Kind of. Yeah. I hated it, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's, I really did not like <laughs> it. I think it's a film. If you see when you were a kid, you probably got a bit of nostalgia for it. But if you watch yeah. it, kind of, there's a lot of like a lot of the dialogue is that is very dated. It, in the opening of it, there's like three F slurs in yeah. like the first like five minutes of the film, oh, and I was man. like, oh, right, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was. I mean, I was like six when that came out. And I was watching that, and I, I think about this all the time. Like, uh, I, w- I would love to watch Bill and Ted with Rosalie. But they sure. they throw a they throw an F slur in there because yeah. it was such a common it's such a common thing at the time. It was a word yeah. I had to like because I grew up in New Jersey in the eighties, so this was a word I had to like get out of my vocabulary once I got older. You know what I mean? Because it was so normal. 
In yeah. fairness to the Bill and Ted, on the on the commentary tracks, they kind of they mention it and they talk about it that they kind of regret it and stuff like that. Yeah, right? of course, of course and, they do. Um, but it's it's important to note that like it it people didn't think they were doing anything wrong at the time. It obviously was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's in all these children's movies, and you just like cringe right into your own soul every time it happens. <laughs> totally. <laughs> It was yeah. I didn't didn't really have a good time with that. But it's just like with Goonies, and people will string me up for this. But I loved the Goonies when I was a kid, and I've come back and watched it. I can't fucking stand watching it. It gets on my nerves so much. Like, <laughs> it's, it's all right. It, like, it's, not, it's just it's okay. <laughs> Crazy yeah, story. I've 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 never seen the Goonies. Good. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know how that ha- I actually don't know how that happened, but that's what happened. <laughs> you watched the Monster Squad instead. I did. That's exactly that's the deal. Is does, wait, is Fred Savage in the Monster Squad or is he in No, he's one? in Little Monsters. Little Monsters. Little All right. Monsters, yeah. Little Monsters was the one, was my true love. Monster Squad <laughs> was just okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said, God, I don't, I'm not sure I've seen Little Monsters actually. It's not very good either. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's sure, horrible, sure. but like when I was 8 or 9, that was the, that was the shit. Whatever it was. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's basically what I've watched. I've watched a couple of other things, but you know, we're not here to constantly just list films I've seen. Just no. you know, to... So um we're here to talk about a film from nineteen eighty one, which was uh directed by Louis Mal. So welcome back on the show, Louis Mal. Uh and it is uh my dinner with Andre. You see, that's why I think that people have affairs. Well, I mean, you know, in the theatre, if you get good reviews, uh feel for a moment that you've got your hands on something. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a good feeling. But then that feeling goes quite quickly. And once again, you don't know quite what you should do next. What'll happen? Well, have an affair, and up to a certain point, you can really feel that you're on firm ground. You know, it's a sexual conquest to be made. There are different questions. (laughs) Does she enjoy the ears being nibbled? How intensely can you talk about Schopenhauer at some elegant French restaurant? Whatever nonsense it is. It's all, I think, to give you the semblance that there's firm earth. Well, have a real relationship with a person that goes on for years. That's completely unpredictable. Then you've cut off all your ties to the land and you're sailing into the unknown, into uncharted seas. I mean, you know, people hold on to these images of father, mother, husband, wife, again, for the same reason, because they seem to provide some firm ground. But there's no wife there. What does that mean? A wife, a husband, a son. A baby holds your hands, and then suddenly there's this huge man lifting you off the ground, and then he's gone. Where's that son? The life of a playwright is tough. Um, My Dinner with Andre, 1981. It stars Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory. And it is about, um, well, it's a guy, it's about a guy who has an unexpectedly enjoyable evening with a weird friend he's been avoiding lately. And uh, yep. that's my Easter egg for anyone who recognises that quote about this film. And I'm not going to say where it's from. Oh, wow. Well, anyway, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's, um, 
yeah, it's 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 I, I it's a good film to pick to talk about, isn't it? Loads of things happen. It's <laughs> a huge plot to get through. <laughs> huge plot to get through. It's um, there's it's, a lot of world building. There's a lot of world building. Oh, tons of world building. There's the orcs. This, the um, orcs are fucking sick in this movie. There's this thing called, I think it's called the subway, and it's covered in graffiti. And they introduced oh. this really early on in the film. Oh, oh my god, it felt so good. It felt so good. I was back home, baby. Oh my god. I was kind of hoping I'd... that in one of the in one of the subway tunnels, um, Walter Matthau was taking down some of the. Uh... I, was oh, I was hoping. Yeah. I was hoping. I was hoping some of the warriors would pop out. <laughs> warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I love the shots of New York in this film. I have to say, I mean, I never, I was definitely wasn't there in the eighties, so I'm not I'm not romantic to it. But I just love the way Louis Miles shooting the, the city all all ten thing. shots um, of them, all ten of them. <laughs> yep, it's uh, not about quantity. So uh, Liam, was your first thought the same as mine, which is what, like, okay, so who wore it better, uh, Jean Marot or Wallace Shawn? Like, who's sexier walking around totally. their city? Uh, walking it's the same the scene. Hometown. It's the exact yeah. same scene. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I thought it's just thing. just way sexier because it's Wallace Shawn now. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to talk about Wallace Shawn. Shall we go into Wallace Shawn first? Or sure, let's just because I think for people our age, he's the draw, isn't he? Yeah, uh, he's you know what I mean? fascinating to me. Like, he's, like, to me, Wallace Shawn is like, you know, uh, what's he called in Princess Bride? Vizzini? Is that his name in Princess Bride? Fazzini, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, this. he's either science teacher in Mr. Hall in Clueless. He's uh, Rex in Toy Story. And he's um, the Grand Nagus Sec in DS9. Like, <laughs> person, oh, wow. personal favorite, like... Um, like that's I what I know what is shown from like that really really I not well iconic voice yeah like like distinctive iconic voice um weird little looking man you know yep. like like it's not often a character actor has like both of them if that makes sense like mm. he's he's um like almost like ah I don't He's like a Muppet that was turned into a he, real boy. He, he does look he does look like a Muppet. I actually had the same thought when I was watching it. Maybe Jim Henson did create him. I can believe that. And like a Pinocchio, he became a real person at some point. <laughs> yeah. He got given life. Did, did they never put him on the Muppets? Because I feel like that would be a natural... Oh, uh, God. I, yeah. Yeah. He should have be been on, on an episode at some point. It really makes Maybe sense. Maybe they didn't because it would give it away that that's where he's from. <laughs> yeah. Like they, he okay, he says his famous line in this film, but it predates he that does. film. So yes. was 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 the Princess Bride a reference to this film? No, or was it I just, just he, happened to be the same word? No, he got cast. He got cast by Janet Hershon because of his delivery of Inconceivable in this film. No, <laughs> she insane. she saw it and went, "That's great. I want him in this role to do the that's same amazing. line." That's At amazing. least she could, have ju- she could have just called Frank Oz and he would have done it for her. <laughs> exactly. Him being a Muppet. Liam, this reminds me of like a pub. There's like a pub quiz computer game thing in our local pub and we used to play it all the time, the movie round, you remember? And like, okay, yeah. and every time a question popped up, it would go, inconceivable. <laughs> and like, you just keep hearing it all night. Inconceivable. It's a classic, a, classic bit. It's a classic. Like, I love what is Sean. And like to, to talk about Wallace Shawn as well, like which I don't. This is not 
my Wallace Shawn, but the real Wallace Shawn is he's an incredibly learned man. Like yes. he went to Oxford. Um, he almost was like a diplomat after after Oxford. He he taught. I think he did. He taught philosophy or or taught taught Latin. I think he says right he says Latin in the movie, but we don't know. Yeah. He's not playing yeah. exactly himself because the they're kind so. of playing a version of themselves, aren't they? Almost. Yeah. Some of some of those details. Some of those details. Yeah. Some of those details have changed, but I'm not. I mean, sure I know how. they wrote it in a way that they could flip it if they wanted to or something, but. Like well, basically, yeah, well, yeah, um, but yeah, like he started writing plays. Uh, he's, I think, his big hit was a play called Marie and Bruce in 1978. Right. Uh, it was a a huge, weird success, which was like quite, um, like I think people described it as like very emotional, really sexual, like conflict. It was absurdist in its kind of dialogue. Um, it was it met with like extreme critical response on both sides. Like people hated it, like really hated it, and people loved it. Like he wrote, um, he wrote a play called A Thought in Three Parts, which was so controversial at the time that it was debated in Parliament in the UK about and because of like pornographic content. Nice. Uh, it was. It was it was investigated by the Vice Squad in the UK. Oh man, I, I got now like, now I got to read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He won like an Obie Award for like another play in 1974, Our Late Night. Yeah, so that might be his first one. Like it's just and then as he kept on writing plays, they became like overtly political, overtly kind of about like psychology of like a like he's such like he's a giant of like writing of theater. Like in you know, like, it's crazy. a proper like man of man of letters, you know? Like he's a man of letters. <laughs> I have never read or seen one Wallace Shawn play and I keep meaning to because I do like him mm. as an actor so much. Have you? No, never. No, never. No. Like, it we was, should like let's let's wait, hold on. Let's start the Sean cast. Should. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when we go through the entire collective works of Wallace Shawn, that'll have a huge listenership. Uh, I'm sure it would get as, as many as this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hold my hands up. This is on our list because I'm quite fascinated in Wallace Shawn and I definitely to see this. Like, yeah, of course. Um, because he's, you know, this weird character actor I loved as a kid. And then to learn that he's like this kind of like controversial, like smart, intelligent, like like uh, playwright is, is, it was just so weird to me. It was so unexpected to me, basically, I guess, is what, what yep. I should say. Um, yep and yeah this film like he, I guess you know we talk about his contemporary this film is a two header it's Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory well I'd say uh, Andre yeah, Gregory gets the, the he gets the meat and potatoes of all the dialogue there doesn't he yeah he's so it fast. seems like it's the it's the Andre Gregory show but he's someone other than this film I don't know at all <laughs> but you don't remember Andre Gregory's great role in Demolition Man as the warden I don't. Who gets his eyes <laughs> pulled out by Wesley Snipes? <laughs> well, oh, Wesley Snipes returns in the same episode. Look at that. <laughs> well done. I think that's. I think that's all I know Andre Gregory from. Apart from the fact that I'm a huge Jonathan Demi fan, so I have seen a Master Builder. I should point that out. Which you know is, if there's a there's a loose trilogy that exists in the world, which is um, this film, uh, Vanya. And then Master Builder. That's all I know. Like Brandon should know him from Last Temptation of Christ. He plays John the Baptist. Oh, oh then I do know him from uh, that for he? sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, so he's the, the the unfortunate man. Oh no, it's not him. It's an extra. 
Because the John the Baptist scene, the thing that always drives me nuts in that is there's one guy's dong that's blurred out really badly, <laughs> and it always pissed me off because I was like, guys, just let just just let it fly. You know what I mean? Like why you, why you got to censor it? Nobody cares. <laughs> it always pissed me off. Ken Russell would have let it go. Yeah, most people would. I don't know why he must not have been able to for some studio reason. But anyway, great. He has a great turn as John the Baptist in Last Temptation of Christ. Then before we get into like the meat and potatoes of it, when I was watching the credits, I noticed it said production what is it like uh something anyway by trauma and i was thinking this no. is a trauma film yeah i had the same thing i freaked out i was like no and then in the credits it yeah. said like production assistant or whatever lloyd kaufman i was thinking what the fuck yeah so can we say we've officially done a trauma film yeah we have this film this film straight up financed the toxic avenger is this film yeah. this was his first hit this was his way in that's insane it's crazy as crazy as weird as this film is, this was a huge success. Like it was, it was, yeah. Like and to, like this is this setup trauma. Can you imagine the profit margin on this fucking thing? This is like this is paranormal activity levels. This is yeah. paranormal activity levels of profit margin. Yeah, this was made for four hundred k. I think it's ridiculous, and that's why it's fascinating about doing this film is because like it's such a quiet film it's just a two-hander yeah. film like um which people just had to see you know people went out their way to see this because they, people were talking about it it was like a, yeah. a gateway to art house i guess i don't know if you technically call this art house but like it's it was a gateway to at least a different type of film. it's just so it's so it was so like ludicrously audacious uh to yeah. say we've made a movie and it's just two people talking at a restaurant for two hours if you if you and you can nail you can boil it down to that one sentence and it sounds so ludicrous that you're like well i gotta see if they can pull this off and then you know then a lot of people said and it's also good you know and i and i also and i also liked it and your first reaction my first anyone's first natural reaction is what the fuck are you talking about that's that's insane i I, you know so you want to see it for yourself so it sort of it has this like built-in marketing almost to how how kind of stupid the idea is really uh and the fact that they they pulled off when i was younger uh i always confused this with waiting for godot i thought they were the same thing yeah right yeah totally totally. (laughs) like they just got completely conflicted in my very young head uh this movie and waiting for godot got conflated into the same thing i'm not 100 percent sure how or why and it took me decades to sort that out (laughs) and to understand (laughs) they were different they were different things I like to talk about like Andre Gregory, the other con- 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 tra- contributor to this. Like um, as we say, like this film was written between Wallace and Andre. They they recorded their conversations, so they they recorded them on tape, or they they kind of like wrote kind of scribbled notes about what they were talking about, and slowly they threw this back and forth to make the script. Um, so Andre Gregory was the other other playwright. He was known at the time, and I say known. He was a he was a theatre director. That's what he did. Like his big directing piece was Vanya, which became the second film of this Vanya on Forty Second Street, which is a film about making of that play. So it's another kind of twist of reality. Um, he um, this is important only because of like content of this film. But he is he was born in Paris in nineteen thirty four to Russian Jewish parents. That's a big part of his like background. Uh, he was famous for doing like um, uh, Alice the Wonderland adaptation, and he he used to have a the- theatri- theatrical company called the Manhattan Project, uh, which he directed. Our late night, which is the first play Wallace Shawn wrote, so that's how they right. started that relationship. 
shortly after lo- Andre Gregory got kind of tired of the US because he said that he was seeing fascism rising in the US. So that led him to just abandon New York theatre scene and he left the country for a while. So that's the kind of basis of this film, really. That's kind of where it comes in. And where, I love, where I love how people like this call it the theatre. It's never just <laughs> theatre or <laughs> like it's never my job or it's never... And it's always the, like the theater. It's so serious. I always find that really funny. And um, like it's like like it's a continent you can go to. That's the thing about listening to two, these two people talk about like about theater is the fact that it's it's very serious. Like it's oh, yeah. very very serious. And it's and very you either nice. you either live there or you don't. Like you leave you the theater. Yeah. That's what they keep saying. He left the theater. And they say it like you say it like in the hushed tones of someone who like killed their own father or something. Uh, (laughs) It's a very big problem. But it's like a divorce from a marriage, isn't it, or something like that? Like, yeah, yeah, you love it, but you kind of become like, uh, you know. um, But like, don't you think like the way they wrote this script though? It's like they kind of went out of their way to like any cliche possible was like written out of it or like not even thought about like there's do you know what i mean it feels like there's no cliches whatsoever in this film what it's kind just, of cliches do you mean i guess well i don't know just like any kind of normal like in a typical film that you'd see like you know oh right structure yeah. and stuff like that it's just completely devoid of that kind of i'll tell you what though it's full of cliches of like new york independent theater though i guess yeah. so like yeah. it's definitely in it's a hundred percent like everything liam just said about the history of it it's in the tradition of people like Wallace and Andre who are just absolute well, like... Well, that's why they probably put it on film then because to make it to kind of different in that respect. I then. was looking for this. I can't quite work out why it was put on film. This is one <laughs> It doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems like it should be a play. Them. It should be a play, yeah, right? It seems like it should be a play, but it wasn't a play. They wrote it for film and and I guess that's where like our third collaborator comes in is um, Louis Marle. Like, uh, Louis Marle. We... We covered before on this podcast, we covered in one of his early films. Was it his first film? Early film, It anyway, was like, his second, I want to say? Maybe second, yeah. Yeah, Elevator the Gallows, anyway. So uh, he'd had quite a successful um, career at this point, really. He'd, um, his biggest films he'd done in France and worked his way through kind of um, films. He'd worked his way to America. He'd just done um, the film Atlantic City, which was a wild success in America at the time. And... Um, he got offered this. This was offered to him to film. And I, I there's a documentary that Wallace Shaw made that you can find on YouTube that I watched, and it's called My Dinner with Louis. And it's just Oh man, I need to watch that. Oh, that's film. great. And uh like he like Louis Mal just basically says he wanted the challenge to make something cinematic that wasn't really. Right. And to try it and he was um he was obsessed with the fact that like this they wanted to make this seem like improvised they wanted to make it seem like a conversation where it where louis mal describes as the least like improvised thing i've ever been a part of it's the most <laughs> the most over rehearsed it was it wasn't shot in like an afternoon it was shot over like two weeks or something like that you know right. like um it was uh and it wasn't just like an interview like he talked he relates it to his interview with with Wallace and this film when he says we've just set up two cameras here and we're going to talk we wanted to make it look like this but it was not this it, it was and he went 
wildly into how to shoot this. He was quite obsessed with how, like, he says that his favourite thing about, like, he considers a film successful if he exposes a story as being fictional. He says, a, this is quite weird to say, but the plot, he says the plot is never the film. To me, it's when the unspeakable is hinted at behind the film. And he wanted to try and see if he could give glimpses of what the actors were behind the dialogue they were giving in this script. And that's what kind of made him obsessed with it. Like, they were joking about. Yeah, I know no, it's kind of hard to kind of uh, glean. But he, um, he, he related it to Atlantic City, where he was saying that in Atlantic City, he saw it as the opposite. Whereas Atlantic City, he was pretending a documentary was fiction. Whether it was Andre, he was doing the opposite to that. He was pretending fiction was a documentary. Yes, he did. I I agree. And I was <laughs> I was I was going to say uh, just about the insanity of the format of the thing. Uh, you know, this film does stand out, but it's not. Also, it's not like unheard of for there to be monologue films, stand-up comedy, feature-length sure, sure, kind sure. of things. So, and and again, back to the theater that these guys come from. One person shows. Uh, two-hander yeah, shows yeah. that are this long. So for I think for Wallace and Andre, this is a completely normal plot. Like this is a completely normal thing that you would put on. But for Louis Mao, obviously, like you said, he had to like think of it really intensely to for it to make any sense to him. Yeah, uh, totally. And he was like, he was like, I don't want an audience leaving a film with more answers than questions. I want an audience leaving leaving a film with more questions than answers. Sure. And he said this script spoke to him in that way, that he could kind of shoot this and an audience could leave questioning more and asking of themselves and asking of like the the stuff covered in this film. And that's what really drew him to to Wallace's and Andre's script, which I think so what was makes your, sense. I get that. Yeah. Like, what was your first like your first impressions as it went? So you have that first scene. That's super fun. That's great with like Wallace Shawn walking through New York City and yeah, I love that scene. And yeah, you get the voiceover, and that's just again super similar in form to the, to yeah. the scene we talked a lot about from Elevator to the Gallows, uh, and it looks great. But then they get into the restaurant, and obviously the whole thing slows down, and it becomes the mm. film you know that it's famous for being. So what was what was everyone else's reaction when that happened, Ollie? Uh, I'm gonna find this film hard to talk about. I thought you might. Purely yeah, for, I'm like, not surprised about that in the slightest. Like, for me, I'm a very visual person. I'm an animator. Yeah. You know, I like to see things move. I like to see new things happen every so often. And, like, I, did, I didn't hate this film by any stretch of the imagination, but I just it just kind of washed over me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Me. So this, I had... I read uh, a review on Letterboxd that really made me laugh. And it said the first shot of this film was of a trash can. And they always say the first shot of your film should speak about your film or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> thing is, I don't disagree with that. But like, I thought the performances were good. But but like, but what Liam was saying, like, what was it? The director was saying that he wants to see the actors acting within the film. What were you trying to say? It's it's complicated. But he said like he wanted to kind of expose the actors as being fictional almost he wanted you to see it as like like well i mean when they're having their conversation people don't have conversations like that like we are we're talking over each other we stutter we mumble it's it's too rehearsed it's so yeah perfect <laughs> and i, I can see that to just watch these two talk like i'm like and um, uh, two hours is enough for me <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> I, I, no, I, I could just do 
I could just imagine that they do talk like this is what I meant. Like, I could just kind of like, if there's two people in the fucking world that talk like this to each other, it might be Andre Gagarin. It probably, probably is. I, yeah, I, I do. I, I kind of, I'm stuck between kind of two worlds here because I loved the first scene. I was all in. Yeah. Love the voiceover. Love that. They get to the restaurant. I'm okay. I like the the, vo- the early voiceover sets up a little bit more actual tension and plot than I thought was going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah, I actually yeah, thought it was yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. even, I thought it was going to be even more hangouty and nothing. And yeah. instead it adds this, this extra layer that I really liked about the character of Wallace that Wallace on is playing and his yes. reservations about seeing this guy and yeah, sort of that, I really that, like that. Yeah. That little friendship, social dynamic that helped like propel it. But then once they sit down and you meet Andre Gregory, who again, I don't know at all. And I have no, <laughs> and, and he just starts going He's on. Just- like and he will not shut the fuck up and he is saying the stupidest shit you've ever heard yes. frankly yeah uh and he goes for like a half hour without being interrupted saying only talking about himself and only uh uh just going on and on about how i did this amazing thing and i did that amazing thing and i had the same reaction ollie had here which was please shut the fuck up i want <laughs> i want to slap you <laughs> like you're such an ass um so yeah i that was at first i thought i was gonna hate this honestly for the first 30 minutes uh or so uh I'm i felt yeah i was not is, is amazing at listening yes he's very good at he's listening. amazing at doing little kind of like talking noises with bits of food flying out of his mouth <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sucked, there was something you're right the thing about i think it was more like 40 minutes when i clocked it like there was something that at some point drew me in um, yeah, and it's kind of like that first forty minutes where what? Uh, sorry, not Wallace. Uh, Andre is just going on about these esoteric kind of new agey cults that he kept on joining. In yeah, Europe it's just and, like it's all these like, like over the top Poland goof. And- all these like stupid like fucking immersive theater workshops where they yeah. think they're finding God by like singing yeah. songs, and I just I fucking hate it. I hate that stuff yeah. so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm th- that that part of the theater kid universe is kind of where I draw the line. Uh, and at I, some point, when he started talking about like the monk that came back to live in America, and then he goes through the reburial, where I got into it. It was think sync flipped at some point, and yeah. I'm not totally sure what it was, but sync flipped when I was like, oh, I'm actually. I'm into this now. <laughs> so I'm I'm actually I think we're a hundred percent in lockstep here actually. So the the Japanese monk story happens, which is memorable. Everything before that I actually is kind of a blur. I've almost already forgotten everything he said. Uh, but the, I do remember the Japanese monk story. I did not like that story. It came off no, as a little bit racist yeah, uh, and agreed. a little bit weird. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. but just not not that interesting. Like a lot of the stories Wait, he tells in this first thirty minutes, it's it's, like- they're just they're just not very interesting. And it's then like classic this, Orientalism, isn't it? Like mysticism yeah, of that kind a of little like bit. East or something like a little bit, yeah. Which uh, a lot of this film is because it goes on about Tibet a lot, like yeah, like mystery mystery of Tibet and stuff. Which yeah, that, I guess fits in for like this time period. Really, it does. Like, it just it seemed it seemed his character, and I think as the film went on, I I I think maybe that first half an hour was on purpose that his character yeah. is just quite egotistical. And way up his own yeah. ass, and I think they were doing that on purpose. But I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. But right, sure, yeah. right for me personally, uh, right after that story is when he talks about the reburial one, which is which is yeah. another. Like when it starts, I'm like, oh my god, he's talking about another fucking immersive theater yeah. workshop. That is another <laughs> new age piece of bullshit. Will he? Will just can Wallace Shawn talk now, please? But halfway through that story, it's it, it, the story's still stupid, but his performance changes. 
and yes. he starts he yes. starts getting he he goes from being really smug and pretty insufferable for me personally uh to being really intense and it's yeah. and it and it seems like his character went from just going aren't i great because i've done all this shit to having like a proper emotional something and the camera zooms in slowly at this point as he's talking about being buried alive and and unburied and his performance is like he's shaking with like intensity and yeah. for me personally I was like, all right, okay, that's I'm, I can I can grab onto that, and then immediately after that, Wallace Shawn starts getting to talk, yes. basically, and then it becomes yeah. a little bit more of a dialogue, and they bounce off each other more, and you learn more about their characters, uh, and f- so for me, the film rebounded at that point, and uh, it didn't become an all-time classic for me whatsoever, but I enjoyed it a lot more after that point. I don't know, Ollie, did you like get into it a bit later, or was no, it still a just little like, bit I, more? I was thinking that. Wallace Shawn would do give a. I thought he'd have a bit more of truth bombs to throw at him at the end, and it didn't quite. I right. thought he was going to go a bit more heavy, but like, but the Andre character he came across as quite insecure. I think. Yeah. Like you know, because yeah, he's always talked about. Yeah. I met this person who showed me this place. It's all about like nothing was ever like a first hand thing for him that he he decided oh, I'm going to do this. It's all like I met this person and he showed me to do this and do that or whatever. And it, I don't know. Whereas. Wallace Shawn's character is just kind of he just goes along his day and just kind of he's the master of his own there's, destiny. There's like, yeah, yeah there's you... two points to that. Like there's one where like what oh sorry Andre Gregory says like seven out of eight people I met that day said how wonderful I looked and one person said how like said what's wrong with you and I couldn't shake that one person mm. like and I'm still not able to shake it. So I think you're right. Like he is incredibly insecure. I think it's like insecure to his like absolute core. Um, and him telling these long stories about how amazing these immersive theatres were, how amazing this kind of Stanakowski or whatever, like art, art, like, yeah, thank you, like, um, kind of um, improv scenes that he wasn't doing in character, he was doing in character of himself, like, asking myself who I am and why am I here. That's all in play of his insecurities, of him not Mm. trusting himself. And then later on, Wallace Shawn has that amazing bit, I think, where he goes on about like, but how can I enjoy my day any more than my nice cup of coffee? Like, hell yeah! What, yeah so like, who are you are to you... judge? What is yeah? How my how my pleasure relates to your ple- like you know yeah like yes, I, this how is, can I, you say this that is, my cup is... of coffee isn't as good as your climbing up Mount right. Everest? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Why yeah, do yeah. I need this more is, than to, that? To me, yeah, yeah. The film really switched on at this point. I, I I think this like thirty minutes or twenty minutes where there's where there's conflict between the two guys is uh is really fun i think this is probably i assume most people like this but i don't know it, it it the conversation got really intense they got a little bit more poetic a little bit more honest i love this bit so much about like th- there's nothing there can never be anything better than this cup of coffee i, yeah, I don't need to do this i don't need to go to poland and get buried alive uh yeah. this is <laughs> this is all just this is all just theater of your own life this is a theme they they talk about a lot uh which is also pretty interesting in the second half here uh, my favorite section, of, this is from the same bit, I believe, uh, where Wallace Shawn says, you know, uh, why is Everest more real than New York? They're both yes. real. The cigar mm. shop next door is as real as the yeah. top is, of Everest. And if you I could, if you, this bit's amazing. And he says, if you could walk into that cigar shop and fully experience it, your head would explode. Yeah. Which yeah. I You'd thought that was a really beautiful. that as much as Everest. Like, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really beautiful. It reminded me a little bit, Liam, of uh, the Ephra fake bit that we liked so much about Shaft, the I mean, cathedral. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as, right. a, 
as a person who hasn't really left pretty much you know i've grown up in the same town and you know i haven't really moved far i've moved like what 50 yards away from my parents house <laughs> that's where i live but like so i really relate to wallace sean like i'm a very content person in terms yeah. of like obviously i'm not you know i aspire to kind of do well with what i'm doing as a living but i'm in terms of where i live and how i live my life that way i'm, I'm very content i don't feel like i need to like i travel i go i go on holiday and stuff but i don't feel like i need to go abroad and spend a month in a because i've got friends who've gone to japan for like a whole year or gone to australia for a year now you know it's great for them but i don't feel like i need that for me do you know what i mean so i very much relate to the wallace sean character yeah i really appreciated that point of view i I appreciate that a lot i I thought that became an interesting debate but i like that though because sometimes when i'm chatting to all these people who go abroad and they kind of do monologue at you yeah. like like uh, Andre does and it kind of makes you sometimes feel a bit inferior because you're thinking well, well should, should I should I do that you know it, you know it's, it's it's what right what's right for different people is not right for everybody do you know what I mean so yeah and it's nice to know that in this film there was a person who had a counter argument to, to, to that yeah yeah I, I liked and how they ended up and obviously this is where all the writing and the rehearsing and everything comes in. The contrast between the two characters gets sharper mm-hmm. and uh, leads to like this, inter- this interesting like meat of the discussion in the second half of the film, uh, which became way, way, way more entertaining. All the bit that you just talked about, the difference in their personalities, the one guy has to do all this nonsense to try and feel alive, and Wallace Shawn just needs his cockroaches and his subway and his coffee and he's good to go. <laughs> Which is that's my boy. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And then they're, they're talking about like kind of like your your, your the, like, like how you live if you live habitually. Like are you not conscious about like like taking in your surroundings and conscious about who you are? And what, like Andre Gregory is so concerned about that about kind of not being himself or listening to himself or understanding himself. And Wallace Shawn is so convinced that he's okay with being himself. Like yeah. I, I you know I have the electric blanket i love the electric blanket bit that you talk oh, yeah, about there's a whole long like, bit about the electric blanket. oh that got, yeah like, it, caroline was listening to that while i was watching it and like we <laughs> you know it's been very cold recently so we've been having our electric blanket on and yeah she, I was, have as she well. was like oh, i'm not turning my electric blanket off for anyone <laughs> <laughs> that guy. but i, I love well, i loved him saying that it's not comfort for me like it's 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 something false it's something that does, doesn't bring me comfort i get that i get like what he was saying like i actually mm, relate yeah, yeah, to yeah. that that kind of message like yeah i like that that uh gregory went on forever talking about like but the cold is good and the electric blankets just yeah. like it's it's putting you to sleep and you're in the matrix and you got to take the red yeah. pill and all this kind of <laughs> shit and wallace sean goes but i like the blanket <laughs> but, but what if the blanket is warm what about that buddy <laughs> and uh it was that was nice and it's like it's given you a lovely time that's protecting you from the world. And if you protect yourself from the world too much, you don't see how your actions affect other people. I like that. That's that's thought patterns than I have. Like I got it. You know, like when people speak yeah. like that, like I get that. I get. I see myself in both of these characters. Really yeah. Easily. Once you get maybe, to the once maybe you get more to the, in Andre. Like honestly, like but yeah. But once you get to the second half, uh oh, well, none of us like Liam now. Uh, you know, once you get to the second half of the film, you can. They both start making points that like uh, making points that you can relate to in the moment. And then and then yeah. the point is the point is exactly what we're doing right now. Discuss it afterwards yourselves. To like yeah. see where where you fall on this spectrum, uh, uh, obviously Liam's the goofy one, and uh, <laughs> Ollie and I are the enlightened simpletons. 
Right, just in coffee. Drink. Oh, you won't see me drinking a cup of coffee. Oh, well, you just need your tea. tea I just need my coffee. We're good yeah. to go. Yeah, coffee and, all day. And I, need, and I need a buried alive ritual in the forest. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually have buried Liam in a forest. I believe that's <laughs> probably <laughs> happened. I have video evidence I, of this. And the, the bit as well I loved was um, uh, Wallace Shawn gets really annoyed about how unbearable he finds people enjoying superficial theatre that's a big part where he gets like fed up with like um like no one's telling truths in the theatre kind of thing like and and his being a playwright he used to write complicated complicated challenging bits of theatre that people won't want to go see now they just won't want to go see kind of comfort theatre and um i loved andre's rebuttal to that in the fact that he was like it doesn't challenge an audience to just might a play that's confirmation bias is basically what he said. Right. Like, yeah. like if the world's shitty and you write a play about how shitty it is, that's, you're not challenging the audience no. that way. We already you're know that. Confirming what they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was such a good, such a good, like, like, like discussion about how, about film writing, about kind of like about theater writing. Yeah, totally. It's, it's more, it's more radical often and difficult to like be optimistic or earnest. Yeah than it is to be cynical it's very easy to just say everything is shit all the time i do it all the time i know it's easy to do uh it's not it's not it's not easy to go like but we can make it better if we do you got to put yourself on Mm. the line you got you got to put a piece of yourself out there to to try and say but what if we did this this would be great i'm i'm a utopia now or whatever you end up sounding like we just called we just spent the last 10 minutes calling andrew gregory a dipshit yeah, uh, because cause of, cause, because yeah. of exactly that, yeah. uh, so you know, proving kind of and that's proving his point. I liked it. He spent these forty minutes going, "You're such a dipshit," and then Wallace comes in with this annoyance, like his snobbery of like theatre, and Wallace and Andre comes back in with this, "Yeah, but if you just tell people what they know, you're not doing anything challenging." And I just thought, I assumed, oh, well, okay, yeah, I get it. I yeah, touche, right? You more. What about uh, when he I starts assume... going on about like that New York was like the concentration camp and stuff oh. like that? Oh, this is just two points. I, I got three things. Uh, one, who thinks that he was talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber and like cats? Uh, probably, yeah, cool, yeah, totally. definitely. In terms yeah, of vapid theater, think. that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, like musical uh, theater like, that was yeah. a bit. So as a as a as a Jersey Shore kid, obviously I had to I had to I'd see all these things uh, uh, when I was a kid, uh, and I hate my parents for taking me to all the Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> shows they're really i'm with wallace sean i hate them so much uh well but cats was originally put published in 1981 there you go that's 100 percent about cats did you speaking speaking of the legacy of this film who saw i I meant to bring this up earlier the martin scorsese fran drescher not fran drescher uh franny Leibowitz um conversation on netflix uh pretend it's a city no, 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 I haven't. I did watch her in conversation with Wallace Shorten and Andre Gregory. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. So there's a there's like a there's like a four or five or whatever it is six part series on Netflix called Pretend It's a City, which is basically the same format, more or less the same format as this. A little bit more, um, you know, it's a documentary, not a fiction, in which Martin Scorsese and Fran Leibowitz talk about New York City, basically the whole time. Uh, and obviously, this section reminded me. An awful lot uh, of that, uh, so I recommend. Uh, and the other one was all of the Nazi references in this movie. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. You're, you're what was that about? Alley now. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that? What, that I was really confused by that actually. 
Well, that's why I wanted to bring in that Andre Gregory was born in Paris to Russian Jews in 1936. Right. Like, so like they, they, his parents had explicitly like, like, um, um, run away from the Nazis, escaped the Nazis. Yeah, of course. Like, so, yeah, of course. Um, so his explicitly his problem with America and the reason he left it in real life was because he was seeing a rise of fascism in America and he was scared of that happening in the same way happened to his parents, what he saw in Europe. So right. you get a lot of his conversation in this is about his insecurity and fears about what he's seeing happening in society is this kind of fascist, fascistic kind of rise and this like uncaring for your common man and personal kind of like, obsession, which I would argue he might be right on the money. Just yeah, like, little, he saw it bit. earlier than I did. Like, or saw it earlier. A tiny bit. Like, um, he's kind of he got quite conspiratorial in this when he's talking about kind of um, there's a bit where he explodes and he goes like yes we're bored we're all bored and he talks about how like maybe the boredom in the world is actually per- perpetuated by like the kind of government to make you kind of sleep through life which makes yes. it easier for totalitarian government to make like money and and like kind of exploit you and stuff and that's the line he's like drawing between which is a very i would say is a very kind of gen x kind of obsession with ennui they talk about this in they talk about it a lot in this script about how people are bored i think there's a line where he goes things very rarely go haywire now and i was just i was i was just going christ mate like (laughs) like what i would give for like some fucking ennui like, like, like <laughs> you try living in this time period now like that's a that's I, a thing that's a thing that like uh i think uh uh us 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 uh privileged uh coastal elites of the united states have learned to say less uh, sure. because it's obvious like well that's not true if you live in a lot of places of the world that nothing goes haywire yes. it's yeah, true it's if totally. you live in new york city during a time of economic you know, uh, surplus and, and, and peace. The then of course, yeah, and and you're and you're a gifted theatrical whatever, and everybody loves you, and you've made loads of money. Then yeah, your life is easy as hell, and nothing goes haywire. But that's not the case for everybody else, is it, buddy? <laughs> not Apparently at all. Not. But that's but that's, a big but that's that, that's how he thinks, though. Like you know, like Wallace Shawn's character, like you know, he even says to him, like, but not everybody else can experience these things. No one's like as privileged as you are to kind of experience these kind of things no one can not everyone can climb the mountains of the Himalayas and stuff like that not everyone can make the Mm. money that you make yeah he does he does call him out but back to the earlier bit about New York being like the the prison built by the inmates uh, monologue that was so that again for me that's like a classic New Yorker thing Uh, that's what everyone who lives in New York thinks that about New York Every every single person who lives there, so thinks everybody outside of New York's trying to get in there, and everyone inside New York's trying to get out. Is that the- no? We're not we're not actually trying to get out, but like we know we should we know we should. Well, I mean, I did. You no, know, yeah. well, I I I, 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 I did leave, so I guess yeah, we all have eye patches. Uh, no, everyone thinks I should leave this place because it's clearly uh, insane, uh, but a, a lot of people don't. There's a bit later on which I really loved where like um i think this is i think it's the bit 
it's difficult to kind of put your finger on it and it I think it's probably something that'd be more rewarding on a rewatch and I have been told it can be more rewarding on a rewatch hold my hands up I haven't got any plans to rewatch this um it's a long thing to rewatch but like um there's a bit that clearly gets into Wallace's head more because of the ending of the film and I think it's the bit really where like uh they talk about kind of science and they talk about how like um like oppressiveness of like rational thinking and okay. not just living in the moment a little more and i love how andre i think it's andre who says this i didn't write it down who said it but i think it's andre who says like he hasn't been living he's been acting he's just been like he he's been living by acting he's just been acting as me you know like and, and right. playing the role that he has been told he plays he does a bit where he says like he he words it quite confusingly in the script but as far as I can tell, it's like he talks about your wife. Like that's just a term. Like who are they? Kind of thing. Like you just put a like a role on them. That's your brother. That's your wife. That's your friend. Kind of thing. He he, he talks about people in that kind of broader sense. Doesn't it end? How, like, doesn't it, the conversation end on this bit? Yeah, I think it does. I think I can't remember if this is the bit where the waiter comes in and asks him if they want espresso or not, or if it's a bit later on. Um, but it's to me like to build up to this kind of to build up to this which i guess it was building up to but to build up to this kind of like your oppressiveness of your roles in society and oppressiveness of like how you think about yourself or how you've been acting in society behaving in society because that's your role that um i just thought was really that really spoke to me i just really really appreciated that as yeah like i really liked i really liked the way the, the way built to that moment because yeah. I, I i'm pretty sure this is the end of the I conversation yeah. and gregory goes on like a final monologue about uh well I, that they had been talking about uh like you say how everyone kind of plays a role in society the, the role of like small talk in uh yeah. like the social order and how everything's like this theater in real life kind of thing and then andre gregory continues and i'm pretty sure it ends on like you know uh your wife what does that mean or yeah. or your husband what does that mean or something like that it ends on and ends on that note a question that cuts think, away like there was an idea that people hold on to ideas because they tell themselves that it provides stability but what does that actually mean what stability is that idea like and there's the suggestion in it that maybe that stability actually is yourself or something or your history or your surroundings you know like something physical you can make real like ollie was saying like or like you were saying about the cigar shop, that kind of like holding onto something that makes you real is better than just your ideas, just your kind of like washy ideas about things. Well, it's like when he's on the play. taxi on the way home and he's he's like reminiscing about like he was like I got my first suit in there, I uh, I, I ate ice cream there. It's like those kind of things that kind of. I loved that ending. Yeah, yeah I thought really, it was great. Really loved that ending. I love yeah, the, really the way cool. he was shooting New York. Like, it reminds me of um, 400 Blows, in yep. a way. Like, uh, staring up at the city. And now he's looking at the city in a completely different way, as you say. Oh, he's, 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 not, he's not just staring at his way home. He's mm. staring at a place that he has connections to and memories. And, and he loves, you know. I yeah, guess. He it's, lo- a, great like he to, it's really a great way to end it. It really is. And, and then the final thought is his, is his wife, isn't it? He's like, I tell, I tell my wife about my dinner with Andre. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> yep. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell Debbie about my dinner. <laughs> cut, <laughs> yeah. cut, cut to 
another two hours of Wallace Shawn saying exactly all the same stuff to his <laughs> wife, and then now it's a four-hour movie. <laughs> what a strange little artifact of a movie, really. Like, um, to we haven't really touched on it. I'd like to say that, like, I thought Louis Mal's direction was wonderful. Like, and I've heard people critique this for not being a cinematic film, and I can totally get that. But I think so much of the decisions he was making was so cinematic in this. Like, everything's thought about. And you, the way you... the camera casually moved around, I just felt was delightful. Like, if that makes sense. Like, Ollie, you were trying to say something. Well, I was going to say, if you overshoot this, it's kind of, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't need it. It would be... It would just be showy for the sake of being showy, and like I said beforehand, like they were trying to slip out, strip out cliches. I think they just wanted to strip it down to its bare minimum, Do you know what yeah, I mean? and, just, and just let the yeah. conversation tell the story. Really, did you? I, I read that they filmed this in an abandoned like warehouse or something, and it was freezing cold. <laughs> really, <laughs> surprised me. Yeah, it's not actually a restaurant. They dressed it. Apparently, to be it's a, a restaurant. restaurant now. Oh wow. Okay, and uh, and uh, so apparently the bit about the electric blanket was specifically good because they were pretending not to be cold the whole time. The two actors, <laughs> they were they were wearing uh, uh, long underwear underneath their suits to try and pretend to be warm. I wonder if they shot multicam, if they had several cameras set up at the same time, or what. I think they must have had two cameras. The interview that I I watched, he did said he had a two camera shoot. Why but, wouldn't you? That would be crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- yeah, it's just something away. He's like Louis Mal's camera just kind of floats on screen, slowly moved in, slowly bobbed around. I just thought it was really captivating. It, like it's the best well shot conversation I've ever seen. Like it, but there's so much stuff about it. like their costuming. Like they, they, the clothes are really lived in. You know, they. they yeah, I like well like, Sean's tie. I like the way he puts on the tie yeah. right before he goes in. Like yeah, it's just yeah, so yeah. like just so outside the restaurant. Do- it's pre-tied and he just kind of like shoves around his dumb neck and, yeah. and I mean, it just no looks like shit. Andre doesn't need a flipping electric blanket the size of that cardigan. <laughs> it's an electric cardigan. He yeah. didn't say that. I love how we, you know, going back to the start of the film, like when he walks in there with his disheveled tie and he's like frayed kind of blazer and like he doesn't look like he fits into this fancy restaurant at all. Like no. he's... And to be greeted by Andre who's so happy and exuberant and hugs him. And there's a great bit of dialogue about like, I used to think it was so fancy when I met theatre folks and they all hugged each other. I think that's what Wallace Shawn <laughs> says in narrative and stuff. Just all that kind of little, those are the little hints at the start and, and little things I was noticing that got me to kind of get through that first like 40 minutes when I was struggling of Andre's yeah. kind of adventures through improv <laughs> Yeah, I noticed the. We said this about Elevator to the Gallows as well that uh, the he spends time with side characters and extras, not a ton, but just enough right. to make them feel enough, real. Yeah. So, like yeah. the the wait, the old waiter, for example. Yeah, um, he just felt like a real person smoking his cigarette you know? at the end. <laughs> like, wait, I loved that. Yeah, and there was something about like. He spent enough time with the old waiter as well that made me ask questions about the old waiter. Like, yeah, I was exactly. Like, so who is he? Like, why is he? You get, you like, get some even... weird, you get some weird reaction shots from him from time to time. Yeah, where he would react totally. to something someone said, and you're like, "Oh, what does he think about this? That's interesting." 
Yeah, and why? Why I, I'd be like, so why is he an old waiter? Why is he an old white guy? Why, what does that mean? Like, like why isn't he like a young young waiter? Why isn't he like a? Why isn't it a woman? Why isn't you know anything like that? I just it started with something so sparse that like one of the character made me start asking questions. Well, that's how you know it's fancy. Like regular restaurants have young who have actors who aren't actors <laughs> yes. yet, and fancy restaurants have like the old veterans who will never be actors, but are just good waiters. He's been waiting his whole life. Yeah, he he knows how to do it. It's um, yeah, and shot. I uh, guess Lailan. I was going to say it in the start, but shot on sixteen millimeter. I noticed as well, which I assume yes. was a decision. I don't know why that was a decision, but like that grainy kind of feel to it gave it that kind of. Sp- gave it I mean, a spirit or texture. To I me. guess like, budget could have been part of that. I think. I think that might have been budget. Yeah, budget too. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it was because it was in four by three, wasn't it? It wasn't in. Um, yeah, it was in four by three on uh, Apple TV anyway, yeah, which I was, is where I, I watched rented it, it on Amazon. Yeah, it wasn't. Which was nice. Yeah, it was a good four by three. Yeah. What else happened in this movie? Um. <laughs> I bet there's. I bet there's one big. There. I bet there's one big conversation that we're missing completely, and Probably. the. the the one person who's the huge My Dinner with Andre Stan who's listening to this is screaming for us to remember that one great bit. Well, he goes to, well, there's, he goes to put on a version of the, is it The Little Prince? I know. Oh, the whole thing with The Little Prince, yeah. for example. There was the bit in Scotland, the bit in Poland. The fact that he uh, had the audacity to talk shit about The Little Prince for even a second <laughs> made me want to just absolutely <laughs> chuck him into the sun. That's there's unacceptable about- bullshit. When he sees the physical embodiment of boredom as like a blue monster, that's part of Andre's. I forgot about that. Andre's weird thing. <laughs> the 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 thing with the 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 thing with the little prince was like uh, I guess that was in that first half hour that we all didn't like, wasn't it? Because it was mm. he the, he got there through this was, bizarre yeah. string of like stupid coincidences. At first, I didn't like the little prince, but then one time I was talking to a guy, and then I walked over to a book, and it had a handprint, and it said. Andre and then it said oh, yeah. the little prince and I was like wow I love the little prince now and you're like what the why are you saying any of this <laughs> <laughs> very bizarre but then he turns on it again he sees like the fascistic kind of elements to the book again then he turns oh yeah it. that's probably true that's probably true I think that's probably fair I think that is probably fair yeah but yeah what well, um I mean Final thoughts on, I guess. Like it's it's hard to say much more about about like to not ring out this film. But. Um, wasn't great. Didn't hate. That's about my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was alright. I don't think wow. I'll watch it again though. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I I went I went on a journey where uh, I was ready to hate it because of of uh, uh, my longstanding uh, hatred of wealthy New Yorkers. Uh, and particularly movies about them is I didn't tell you this up front. This is a subgenre that I hate uh, usually. Okay. So anything that's about rich people who live in New York uh, complaining about their lives, I usually all I want to do is walk into the screen and kill them. That's my normal reaction to that. So the the first thirty minutes, that was my I was like my hairs were on the back of my neck uh, going up. Uh, I was ready to just get all Jersey up on his ass. Uh, uh, and yeah, and then it switched for me, like like we said, uh, and it grew on me as it went. Liked it a bit more, uh, got livelier, got more fun, got me thinking the way you're, you know, the way it wanted you to. 
yeah. got me thinking about how I felt about what they were talking about, all that kind of fun intellectual nonsense. Um, uh, and then absolutely, I think, kind of stuck the ending in a way that made the rest of it even, like, stronger. Like, yeah. you know, with, with the... I guess at this point cliched, but really lovely piano music and Wallace Shawn reminiscing on, you know, what he just experienced and what he felt like it sort of kind of tied the whole thing in a little nice little bow for me that made it, made it, uh, uh, what, what do I want to say? It like overcame my maybe prejudices to this kind of thing, uh, by the end of it, I would say. Uh, although I'm still, uh, uh, if we're doing ratings, I think I'm capping out at three and a half. Yeah. Uh, three and a half is kind of where I sat with it as well. I'm slapping sl- sl- like- in the middle two and a half. <laughs> oh, wow. There's a there's a part of me that thinks like, I wonder 10 years from now, I'll watch it again and go like, nah, it's a four easy. Yeah, but I could I'm see. Not, I'm not sure. I, do, I'm not I sure. like some of the things it spawned though. So like, there's a, I think there's an episode of Community that's kind of like a reference mm-hmm. to this, isn't it? And there's the Simpsons joke there where is, Martin's yeah. playing the video game and he hits the tell me more yes. button. <laughs> and um Tell me more, button. And there's a uh, waiting for Guffman. <laughs> Has any of you well? seen uh, Nirvana the band? It's by the guy no, who did no. the Dirties. Have you seen that film? I have seen so the Nirvana Dirties, the yeah. band. Check it out. It's I think it's on YouTube actually. But there's an episode of that where they kind of completely do the whole beginning of this film where he's like getting the subway and stuff like that. Nice. There's a it's you know, easily at the end meanable. of waiting for Guffman as well when they have the toy kit, the toys. Oh yeah. yeah. My dinner with Andre toy set. I <laughs> it's such an easy it's such an easy target. This film, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was like to give my like I I kind of really wanted to like this. That was kind of I went into it kind of going I really want to like this. Like it's a weird right. little like theater kind of shot thing, and I did I know and it started in a way I really liked it. But exactly same for you. Those first forty minutes, I was like, oh no, this is this is difficult and i didn't watch it one saying i'd paused it you know and i came back to it um and uh and then yeah something did flip and something i was like and i think part of it was actually like kind of just enjoying these two people act like i thought andre gregory was really good like um and such heavy lifting the guy doesn't stop speaking for like an hour and a half like um and but he his performance is really engaging, even if I was kind of getting turned off by what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, and then the kind of the little switch of like when it switches, and then Wallace Shawn comes in and starts rebutting this guy's like worldview, but also then sensible kind of like rebuttals to Wallace's rebuttals. I was like, oh, I'm getting into this. I don't mind right. this. This I I I understand this. I and. Yeah, the last, then like the last, like I get to the last 40 minutes, I had a much easier time with it. And as you were saying, then the ending just really does cap it off so nicely. It's such a smart way to end the film and, and really kind of made it, you know, made it just tie it up in a bow, I guess. Like just yeah. just made it work. And it I makes guess, you feel you know, like you had dinner with Andre. It, oh, we didn't, we all really. You know, yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. In our hearts, we all had you dinner. You didn't pay for my dinner, though. <laughs> was that a power play by him at the end to pay for the dinner do you reckon or yes that was an absolute dick move <laughs> yeah but it allowed um it allowed wallace to, to get his treat himself to a taxi that's very true yeah that is a big treat that's a serious treat because i think he was going from the upper west side yeah to the if upper he got the subway he wouldn't have been able to appreciate all of his uh memories of uh, you wouldn't have any true. any happy memories on the yeah. subway 
<laughs> no, you don't have too many of those usually. What interest? Like, and uh, yeah, I guess it's one. Like, I guess it holds up in the in the way that like my my kind of cultural understanding of this film was a weird little like two header film that kind of works. And yeah, like, I agree with that. It does. It does kind of work. It it is. It does kind of hold up or something. It does kind of work with it all. Yeah, it ends up it ends up feeling like a film. You know, at the yeah. end, if you feel like you've been on a journey with these two characters, even though uh, you know it doesn't actually have any plot to speak of, they don't have any real conflict or any. You know, there's other two-hander theater pieces that turn into movies like. Um, oh God, I've just forgotten it. Michael Caine and Jude Law did one. Oh, did never they? mind. Anyway. Yeah, and it was a remake of one that where Michael Caine was the young one in the '60s. Okay, and it's really fun, and it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, there are other <laughs> movies that are just you know two or three people, you know, all sure. the way all the way through. Uh, but they usually have a bit more plot going on, or there's some kind of deception, or they have to figure out yeah. something about the other person or whatever. And like Ollie said before, they stripped all that out and just made it you know about their personalities and uh, you know a realistic dinner where there's nothing on the line and there's no you know, no consequences. There's no narrative to hash out, but you still feel like, uh, as, as, uh, Wallace Shawn is talking about it, you know, that you've been on this little journey with this little dickhead and his cool friend, Wallace Shawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's my review. That's a good, review. I do I like, like how he, he, he wasn't quite sure how to eat his, um, his dinner. Yes, definitely. Cause he, cause he didn't realize how small they were. What is it? Quails. <laughs> yeah. The quails. There's a definite kind of eighties like art was it like kind of joke about posh food in this. Like, it, the food looked awful. It, it kind of reminded me of watching um, a Razorhead the week before because <laughs> there's this weird scene where they have dinner like uh, the main character has dinner at his girlfriend's house and uh, they're like they're talking about these man made chickens and they're these little chickens. But when they stab into them like blood pours out of them and they're animated, <laughs> they're, like, their legs start moving. <laughs> that sounds great. Honestly. I can't stop thinking about Razorhead. It's de- it's, it's like becoming one of my favorite films. Honestly, I loved it. Oh, nice. <laughs> how do you think it? How how let's uh, how? I mean, my dinner with Andre is pretty much the same thing. I assume. Oh yeah, very same similar. <laughs> it's number yeah, one. Very similar films. A, yeah. the, the waiter shows up in a Razorhead with his basket of wine as well. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get me a wine basket. That was one of the I things I thought basket. while watching this. Yeah. <laughs> That was one of my thoughts watching this film. I need a I need a knit tie and a wine basket. Oh, knit ties, knit ties, and a weird bread roll that doesn't look like bread. There was part way through this when I'm listening to Andre Gregory talk, and I'm going, God, I hope I don't sound like this when I tell stories. You definitely do. <laughs> I think I do. I hope I don't. <laughs> I had the I had the exact same thought. I was like, man, I got to learn how to be a better listener, so I'm not like this guy. <laughs> very important to me i need to listen more like wallace sean yeah definitely be the wallace sean you want to see in the world yeah what did they say in hamilton smile what is he i can't remember what he says now talk less smile smile more more, (laughs) and as as my dinner with andre showed us it's the greatest city in the world etc (laughs) etc i've actually just bought tickets to go and see hamilton so i'm looking forward to that oh well done congratulations thank you I'm very, I'm very happy for you. I, I have not done that. Is it in London? I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for Caroline's cool, birthday. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, nice. Well done. 
Well, when she listens to the podcast, she can find that out. Well, no, it's her birthday <laughs> next week, and so this she won't come out until after. And plus, Caroline's never listened to this podcast. She's got a friend <laughs> no, who's, of course not. who's got like her own podcast, and she promotes that on her Instagram and whatever. Not once. <laughs> she no, but, that will never happen. No, <laughs> no chance. Doesn't have same over same over here. I, you, there's no way. <laughs> not gonna happen. I love the idea that, that she was hearing you watch like um, my dinner with Andre in the background and getting fed up with these two like, oh, blowhards going she on. Was. And it's like, do you want to listen to us three go on about it as well? Because <laughs> like, there's a bit like towards the end when he's on about having an affair or you should have an affair or something. What does he say? I can't remember. What he, he mentioned something and she pops her head out of the bedroom. And she's like, what the fuck are they talking about? You better not <laughs> consider having an affair or something like that. Because I watched I mean, this at six thought- in the morning and I watched it straight. I didn't like have a break or anything like that. I fell asleep. I fell asleep twice. I, I it took me three nights to watch that, <laughs> which is not great. My dinners with Andre. Yeah, I had multiple dinners with Andre. He was very I, I nice had about breakfast. it. I feel like he'd be a terrible breakfast. Like dinners, him at brunch. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will own up when when we record these podcasts. I tend to watch the film around like midnight, one o'clock the night before i always tend to be really late when i watch them so i put this on last night around midnight and i got like as you say about 40 minutes into it and i was like i'm falling asleep i'm going to bed <laughs> i'm either <laughs> first thing in the morning or i finish watching it five minutes before we record <laughs> it's one of those two. <laughs> that's discipline baby anyway i think we should probably wrap this up sounds that way so uh, thanks very much for joining us again, Brandon. It's always a pleasure to have you here. It is mine, the pleasure. <laughs> so, pleasure. Um, I was what? So what are we talking about next week then, Liam? Isn't that a question that I always do this to? Ah, next. Okay, this is it. Just like my dinner with Andre, we're dealing with another blowhard. <laughs> <laughs> what is that transition? <laughs> We're dealing with Werner Herzog. Uh, yes. <laughs> next week. We're which, one, which, one, which one? Which one? Which one? Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a favorite. Make sure you guys watch the documentary, my my best enemy or whatever it is that goes with this. Sure. There's that uh, Klaus Kasinski. Klaus Kasinski. Uh, Klaus Kinski. It's basically the making of this movie. Uh, it includes the best dialogue in the history of cinema about the birds, which I'll let you experience. You probably heard it before. Well, I've got a Werner Herzog uh, Blu-ray set that I'm itching to get into, so looking forward to it. Yeah, this movie's great. Super fun. It includes oh, you, this, oh, uh, Liam, you like MST3K, don't you? Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you ever see Puma Man? Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay. There's an MST3K called Puma Man where there's this big Aztec dude. Yes, uh, he is in Fitzcarraldo, <laughs> the no same way. actor. Yeah, I started I started freaking out when I watched Fitzcarraldo because I remembered him from Puma Man, and uh, my brain couldn't hold those two things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just getting you prepared mentally for that. This is good. Uh, this 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 film is insane, and Werner Herzog is insane. So that that will be a good that tune in next week for this. Please do. Like, <laughs> Right, well, thanks very much for listening and please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on, be that Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, 
Yeah, uh, don't forget you can also reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track. That's with a YR, not a your. And then don't forget, if the pitch is bad, always adjust your tracking. Forget one nine nine nine.